Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Who killed George Floyd? It's the most popular podcast ever done in this series. I was among the first to get the autopsy report and to ask serious questions about the shocking details it contains. Details the American people hopefully will hear for the first time as this trial continues. In it, I asked the question, who killed George Floyd? And I stipulated that there's one suspect who nobody's looked at, George Floyd. He killed himself with a drug overdose. It's one of the saddest stories I've ever had to tell. I found myself with tears rolling down my face watching the George Floyd video. No, not that one. I was angry watching that one. No, I'm talking not about the one with the knee to his neck. The one that was released after. The one where George Floyd was not doing battle with vengeful racist police officers, but begging those same police officers to sit in the back seat of the car with him. Why would he do that? Want to spend what he believed in that video would be his last moments on earth with vengeful racist police officers? Because George Floyd believed he was dying of a drug overdose. And that was before those officers ever touched him ever put a knee to his neck. And George Floyd wanted one thing above all else, what all of us would want in the moment of our death, not to die alone. What made George Floyd think he was dying? What made George Floyd beg the officers to tell the three children, his three children, that he loved them? What made George Floyd speak to his mom in between gasps of air as he said, I can't breathe, while he sat in the police car? with no one touching him. Why did he beg those officers to just sit with him? He was plain about it in the video. He didn't want to die alone, and he knew he was dying. He would have known. George Floyd was a victim. That's for sure. It's indisputable, but maybe not the kind you're thinking. George Floyd had a long criminal history. At one point, he put a gun to the belly of a pregnant woman as he robbed her. He'd done terrible things to feed his drug habit. But he'd also done miraculous things, too, given that level of drug addiction. And I know because addiction runs in my family, I understand it very well. Addiction is heartbreaking. 
Addiction is a disease. And to even gain any dominion over it, even for a small amount of time, is quite something. You don't appreciate it unless you've been around it. And George Floyd did. He had bonded out. He was on parole. He'd passed his drug test. He'd even gotten a job and managed to hold it. A miracle for a person with the level of drug addiction he'd had. But then COVID hit and the, as we now know, needless shutdowns in many cases. And George Floyd lost that job. He spun out of control. And he admitted on the video, not the one with the guy's knee on his neck, the other part, the part that was never released by the city or the police, the part that was released by a leaker. No one in the mainstream media here in the U.S. would take it. And so a London paper had to break it. Why? It didn't fit the narrative. In it, George Floyd admits to inserting drugs in his rectum on the day of the incident. That's why he's crying. He's a drug addict. He's overdosed before. He knows exactly how much trouble he's in. And he doesn't want to die alone. He simply wants the officers to hold his hand as he dies. Never heard this story before? Oh, there's more. This just broke in the New York Post. In addition to a level of fentanyl in his system that is more than twice the lethal limit, more than twice the amount that typically kills you, that was what was in his system at the time of his death, he'd also taken Percocet. Did you hear that before? George Floyd popped two Percocet pills before his fatal encounter with police. That's on top of the fentanyl. Why'd that happen? Because Mr. Floyd was already so out of it. His friends explained that Mr. Floyd fell asleep in the car and they couldn't wake him up to get going. They wanted to get going because they thought the police might be coming. They tried to wake him up, his defense attorney said, quote, in fact, one of these friends, Shawanda Hill, called her daughter, Shakira Prince, to come and pick her up because they couldn't get Mr. Floyd awake. While they were in the car, Mr. Floyd consumed, his friends gave them, what they thought were two Percocet pills. That was to get him up and running long enough to run from the police. An autopsy later found the fentanyl and methamphetamine, a narcotic concoction known as a speedball, in Floyd's system. A speedball? can be deadly, particularly when you have twice the lethal limit of fentanyl already in your system. So who killed George Floyd? What decision would you make? What follows is, as I said, the most popular podcast ever run in this series. It's called Who Killed George Floyd? And it looks at the case that sadly and tragically, it was George Floyd. At a particularly tragic time for George Floyd, when he had finally rebuilt the relationships with the children he loved so much. The children whose memory, as he faded on that concrete sidewalk, would cause tears to run down his face. He knew he'd never see them again. And that was before Derek Chauvin or the cops ever put the knee to his neck. Here it is, recapped, from back in August of 2020. The case against George Floyd for killing George Floyd. On the other side of this break, I'll be right back. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Who killed George Floyd? It's an important question. There's one suspect in the murder of George Floyd who hasn't gotten any public attention, and that suspect is George Floyd. Any honest reporting or examination of what happened with George Floyd has to involve the possibility that when the officers encountered him, his fate was already sealed, his death only a matter of time. This isn't to excuse anything or anybody, but the media's coverage of this has focused on just one possible cause of George Floyd's death, a hateful, racism-driven knee to the neck. But there's a lot the media isn't telling you, and it is jaw-dropping. No one ever intended for you to watch the officer's full body cam footage before the trial. Only the most damning part released. That part with the knee to the neck by Officer Derek Chauvin of George Floyd was all most of the public saw for months. Everything else was withheld. The only reason that we got the rest of the footage, the first half of the officer's encounter with George Floyd, was because somebody leaked it to the UK Daily Mail. And once you look at the footage, you can see why no one wanted you to see it. It speaks volumes that the leaker had to go outside the country 
to a foreign country to find a credible mainstream media outlet willing to seriously report on it. And what you see in the footage and the transcript is a very different story than the one we've been told. The first thing that sticks out to you is that these aren't angry officers. That over and over again, they attempted to help George Floyd. They didn't act like racists at all. Watch the video or read your way just a couple of pages into the transcript. And one thing becomes obvious. George Floyd was well on his way to a drug overdose if he wasn't having one actively. This wasn't a sadistically brutal killing in broad daylight like the media painted. The defendants exhibited concern for Floyd's condition, twice calling emergency medical services. Who wrote that? George Perry, a former federal and state prosecutor. From 1978 to 1983, he was the chief of police brutality and misconduct unit of the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, where he investigated and prosecuted cops for the use of deadly force. It's what he did. It was his passion. Who does he think killed George Floyd after looking at all the evidence? George Floyd. And that's because there's good reason to believe that. This is the other side the media won't show you. This is the side the defense will argue, and they've got a shockingly strong case. Perry writes, as documented by Floyd's autopsy and toxicology reports, his breathing difficulty started long before there was a knee on his neck. The fact that he had in his bloodstream over three times the potentially lethal limit of fentanyl, a pain medication known to shut down the respiratory system and cause coma and death. What did he say over and over to cops seven times before he ever had the knee to his neck? You can hear it in the body cam footage. I can't breathe. Yet no one was touching him. He was standing up and talking. He also had in his system a lesser dose of methamphetamine, which can cause paranoia, respiratory distress, coma, and death. Again, there's that word, respiratory distress. This is why he said over and over, I can't breathe. Again, before a knee was ever applied to his neck. All of this comes from video footage from the cameras worn by Officer Lane and Officer Kume. We have a second by second transcript because of it. So the officers pull up and they're told that the person in the blue Mercedes parked in front of the cup foods had passed a fake $20 bill. George Floyd immediately began resisting and Lane drew his sidearm and ordered Floyd approximately seven times to show his hands. But Floyd finally put his hands on the steering wheel and Lane holstered his weapon. After he exited the car, Floyd was non-compliant, continued to resist and move around till he was handcuffed and seated on the sidewalk. That's when something very strange began to happen. Rather than be combative with officers who hated him because they were racist, he began begging for their help. Why? According to the transcript, Officer Kuhn says, you got foam around your mouth. Floyd says, yes, I was just hooping earlier. Hooping is when you insert drugs into your rectum. It delivers a powerful dose to the bloodstream of drugs already powerful enough to kill him. Officers tried repeatedly to get him to the car, but he begged him. Here's Floyd. Oh, man, I'm reading the transcript. Oh, man, God, don't leave me, man. Please, man, please. Why didn't he want the officers to leave him? He said he was claustrophobic, but he also said that he believed he was dying. Kuhn took Floyd to the door of the squad car, told him to say, take a seat. Floyd said, y'all, I'm going to die in here. I'm going to die, man. Floyd, and you almost want to give him a hug at this point actually tells the officers he doesn't want to die alone. He wants them 
to stay with him. That's why he doesn't want to go in the car. Floyd said, I just had COVID, man. I don't want to go back to that. Lane says, okay, I'll roll the windows down. Floyd says, I'm scared as starts with F, ends with K, man. He's scared to death. At one point, he begs the officers to sit with him in the car. Why? Because he doesn't want to die alone, he says. He asks the officers, please, to tell his three children that he loves them. He clearly thinks he's going to die. Yet no knee has ever been applied to his neck at this point. Is that the story you've heard from the media? At one point, Floyd struggles with the police, not wanting to get into the car, and he hits his head on the car's window. He suffers a minor cut. So the police place a code to call for emergency medical services and tend to the wound. But after that, they tell him once again to take a seat in the squad car, and Floyd begins to freak out again. I can't breathe, Mr. Officer. Please, please. At the time, the officer's not doing anything to cause him not to be able to breathe. It's clear Floyd will do anything to keep from going in that car. He thinks he's going to die alone there. So he tries to cut a deal with the officers. Floyd says, I'm reading the transcript, I want to lay on the ground. I want to lay on the ground. I want to lay on the ground. Lane, the officer, argues with him, you're getting in the squad car. Floyd says, I want to lay on the ground. I'm going down. I'm going down. I'm going down. So Kyung compromises. and says, take a squat. Meanwhile, an onlooker called Speaker 9 says, bro, you're about to have a heart attack. And blank, man, get in the car. Floyd says, I know, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. He'd say that seven times before a knee was ever applied to his neck. Finally, Lane says, after they force him into the car, let's take him out of the squad car and just MRT. That's maximal restraint technique, by which the suspect's feet are hobbled to his waist. Floyd says, I can't blank and breathe, man. I can't blank and breathe. And repeats, he wants to lie on the ground. All classic signs he's overdosing. All of this again happened before he was on the ground and immobilized by police. Nevertheless, he continues to resist and behave irrationally, Prosecutor Perry writes. His condition deteriorates and his complaints of being unable to breathe increase in frequency, even though no one was applying force of any kind to his neck. Lane was near Floyd's feet. Kyung was at the middle of Floyd's body. And Chauvin, who would later apply the knee to his neck, actually put it there. Meanwhile, they try again to get EMS for George Floyd, calling code three. Can you step on it? You got it, they say. Meanwhile, the officers can clearly tell something's wrong. Lane says, is that shaking of the eyes right there, PCP? Lane says, okay, I just worry about the excited delirium or whatever. And Chauvin says... That's why we got the ambulance coming. Why is that important? Because of what their training for excited delirium taught them. Excited delirium is an extreme reaction to a drug overdose police commonly see. A person is so hepped up that if they're not calmed down, they're in danger literally of dying right on the spot. In the Minneapolis Police Department operational handbook, the one they all operate off of, there are two kinds of neck holds they're trained to do. Yes, that neck hold wasn't some impromptu reaction of a vicious racist. It was what the officers were trained to do in cases of delirium. One of them is the unconscious neck hold. The other one, the conscious neck hold. According to the Minneapolis Police Department training manual at the time, the unconscious neck hold is to restrain the person. The goal is not to knock them out. The unconscious neck hold, which is exactly the one that Officer Chauvin applied, has a very specific goal, according to the training man, to knock 
out the suspect for their own good. One of the times you would use it is for a suspect exhibiting the signs of excited delirium. Why? Because drug doses are so high now and drugs are so extreme, people who are overdosing have to be restrained. They could have a heart attack literally from the running around. The officers thought that's what they were seeing. They were convinced of it. Lane says, okay, I just worry about excited delirium. Chauvin says, that's why we got the ambulance coming. Okay, stop it right there. At this point, they're doing exactly what they were trained to do. Something the police chief, the Minneapolis PD, the mayor of Minneapolis, who would later allow protesters to destroy a police precinct, have never admitted to. The neck hold they all condemned Officer Derek Chauvin for doing was an intricate part of his training and the training of every officer who went through the Minneapolis Police Academy under their administrations. The police chief, the mayor, are personally responsible for that officer's training. Yet they've gotten off scot-free so far from public scrutiny. This officer was trained to do this. I know it looks shocking if you don't know that, but it was a legitimate part of his training, right or wrong. Even more shocking, there's an illustration in the Minneapolis Police Department's official training materials discovered by the federal prosecutor, George Perry. The top of the slide reads, okay, they are in handcuffs. Now what? The photo shows a neck hold exactly like the one the officers executed. Right down to Officer Derek Chauvin's knee on the man's neck. What was the purpose of it? It was to properly subdue a suspect suffering from excited delirium. It looks exactly like what they did. Why were they supposed to do this? The illustration calls this, quote, the recovery position to alleviate positional asphyxia. If you look up positional asphyxia on Wikipedia and police departments, you'll find what happened for a long time. They'd cuff a suspect, put him on the ground face down. If that suspect had a drug overdose, a heart attack, or otherwise lost control of their faculties, their face would end up, well, right down on the ground, and they'd asphyxiate or suffocate. To prevent that, the head is turned to the side and a knee is placed on the neck to keep the head to the side and the suspect breathing. It's identical to the George Floyd neck video. It looks like they executed it perfectly, as they were trained to do. What happens when a jury gets a look at this picture? And how on earth can you call this murder? This neck hold was commonly used in the U.S. Here in Greenville, South Carolina, where I am, our police department used the same neck restraint up until about a week after George Floyd was killed. They took it off the books. The Minneapolis PD, well, it would have made a big difference to the country if they'd been honest and more broadly admitted this. That the Minneapolis Police Department had rendered 44 people unconscious with neck restraints in five years. That's according to NBCNews.com. Headline, Minneapolis Police rendered 44 people unconscious with neck restraints in five years. Here's from the article. Since the beginning of 2015, officers from the Minneapolis Police Department have rendered people unconscious with neck restraints 44 times. Minneapolis Police used neck restraints at least 237 times during that span. And in 16% of the incidents, the suspects and other individuals lost consciousness. That's according to the department's use of force records. None of them but George Floyd died. 
Before we talk any more about what happened at the scene, let's take a look at George Floyd's 20-page autopsy and toxicology report, which hasn't gotten anywhere near as much attention as the knee to his neck. Here's what he died of. Cardiopulmonary arrest, complicating law enforcement subdual, restraint and neck compression. The federal prosecutor, Perry, writes, Strangely enough, the report, which thoroughly sets forth in detail all physical and toxicological findings, makes no mention of the cause of death. The first version of the report doesn't even mention law enforcement restraint and neck compression. And the criminal complaint filed by prosecutors stated that the autopsy, quote, revealed no physical findings that support a diagnosis of traumatic asphyxia or strangulation. In other words, despite how it looks in the video everyone seen, he wasn't strangled to death. Also, according to the autopsy report, Mr. Floyd had severe underlying health conditions that set him up for the respiratory distress he ultimately had. What did those include? Severe coronary artery disease and a bloodstream so full of fentanyl that it was at three times the fatal threshold. That's pretty important, but we haven't heard a lot about it in the media. He also had hypertensive heart disease. The autopsy does say the combined effect of Mr. Floyd being restrained by the police, his underlying health conditions, and any potential intoxicants in his system likely contributed to his death. Well, that's weird. Wait, they concluded that the police contributed to his death without the toxicology report? Yup. An arrest warrant was drawn up for Officer Derek Chauvin. He was arrested before the toxicology report that showed lethal levels of fentanyl in George Floyd's system even came back from the lab. They didn't wait for that. And with none of this information in the public square, cities burned. The medical examiner and the prosecutors hadn't gotten the toxicology report back from the lab. They had no idea he had three times the potential fatal limit of fentanyl in his system. That wouldn't come out till May 31st, a full few days after Chauvin was charged with lots of flourish in a a big press conference for the world to see and rage over. So that means that Officer Chauvin was charged with third-degree murder, later raised to second-degree murder, without the benefit of a complete investigation of all the relevant facts and circumstances and without a toxicology report. They didn't even wait. So what did kill him? Let me quote the Hennepin County Medical Examiner's report. Quote, no life-threatening injuries identified, unquote. No injuries to the muscles of his neck, none to his skull or his brain, none to his shoulders or his neck. In short, there's no evidence anything external killed him. So that leaves us, as George Perry, the prosecutor points out, with one more question. Did Officer Chauvin's kneeling on the side of Floyd's neck cut off the blood flow through both his carotid arteries to his brain? That would have shut him down pretty quickly. In fact, it's the goal of the unconscious neck hold. It doesn't kill you. It just knocks you out for your own good. Right or wrong, that's how it's supposed to work. Do that for eight minutes, blocking both carotid arteries, and Officer Chauvin would have killed the man, not just knocked him out. But is that what happened? The carotid arteries are located on each side of the neck, and people can live with only one functioning carotid artery. So did the pressure to one side of the neck stop the artery, you know, flow on the other side of the neck? We know it didn't, Perry explains. Here's why. It would have knocked him out immediately, but it didn't. We know because we've got video 
he continued to complain about being under, unable to breathe while he was still upright. And then while he was pinned to the ground, just as he had done when he was still upright. If Chauvin's knee had cut off the flow of blood to Floyd's brain, which is the goal of the unconscious neck hold, he would have lost consciousness within seconds, not minutes. So why couldn't he breathe? Well, there's a good explanation in the toxicology report. It says fentanyl, 11NG slash ML. That's nanograms per millimeter. That's a fatal dose. How much did George Floyd have in his system? 11. More than three times the minimal fatal dose. And what does that level of fentanyl cause? Well, it says in the autopsy, quote, signs associated with fentanyl toxicity include severe respiratory depression. In other words, trouble breathing, which he had from the beginning of the encounter before anyone ever put a knee to his neck. Oh, and he had meth in his system, too. You know what that does? Causes circulatory collapse, convulsions, and difficulty breathing in high doses. There's that difficulty breathing again. Here's what federal prosecutor George Perry writes. Defense counsel should blow up those sections of the toxicology report to Mount Rushmore, size proportions, hang them on the courtroom wall, and read them every five minutes to the jury. They more than explain Floyd's bizarre behavior, inability to stand, difficulty walking, and complaints about being unable to breathe while sitting, standing, and yes, lying on the ground with a knee to his neck. It gets worse for the prosecution. The CDC lists the symptoms of a fentanyl overdose as, quote, are you ready for this? Foaming at the mouth, confusion or strange behavior before the person becomes unresponsive. In other words, Floyd foaming at the mouth, being incoherent, his paranoia, his noncompliant behavior, difficulty breathing and ultimate unconsciousness are a classic set of symptoms for fentanyl overdose particularly with a massively lethal level of fentanyl. By the time this came out, it was too late. Cities were already burning. The narrative was already set. But there's a possibility we have to consider. The possibility, the very real one, is that by the time George Floyd encountered police, he was already doomed by the level of drugs in his system. It was only a matter of time before he expired. So who killed George Floyd? There's extensive evidence that he did. But Perry asked the final question in his piece. Given the violence and rioting that followed in the wake of Floyd's death, will it be possible for these defendants to receive justice? I don't know. I don't know if justice is possible anymore in America's racially charged atmosphere. And I would add this. Will the voters know any of this when they go to the polls? They should. Battleground America with Tara Servatius. Please subscribe on radio.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be sure to share with your friends and family. Thank you for listening. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 